my gosh. Hello. This is the best day. It always is. Recording. It always is. Paranormal. Ghost. This is two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. And Sabrina's recording from her comfy pajamas this morning. I am. It's bright and early. Yes. Actually, these are my new Eberge pajamas. And so for Christmas... My family does Secret Santa, so they draw out of the – I mean, there's a website that does it for us. Mm -hmm. But my brother-in-law, Johnny, got me this year and got me pajamas, everyday pajamas, and they are so – Wait, that's so nice. Comfortable. They're so – like For Secret Santa, do you ask what you – do you give some hints? You can. Some clues as to what you would like, or is it just truly someone's like, all right, I hope hope they like it? Yeah, you can – put it like on the website you can put like a wish list but i don't do that oh you use a whole website like there's a whole thing yeah i forget what it's called oh that's brilliant but i didn't do that and the nice thing is my sister knew that i wanted a pair of eberjay and i also <laughs> think my sister this year her gift of the year was eberjay pajamas also this is not sponsored by eberjay i just like really like these pajamas you're just wearing them, so we got to talk about them. They're just soft and warm. <laughs> soft and warm and lovely. I feel like as I've gotten older, matching pajamas brings me so much joy in a way that I never yes. thought it would. It it does. I switched to only matching sets a few years ago because I feel like I was at that transition period where I still was living with roommates and then their parents would come over at like, you know, 7 a.m., 8 a.m. when they'd be in town and I wouldn't want to walk like in a t-shirt and yeah. like ugly, like worn out shorts or underwear. Sophie and shorts. So I, I got really, yeah, the Sophie <laughs> shorts that we all used to wear in like sixth grade. We would double roll them until our butt cheeks oh, would yeah. show at the bottom. Yep. Oh yeah. But that's when I started wearing them because I was like, they're elevated, right? Like <laughs> I look, I feel like I have, even if I stay in my pajamas until noon, 2 p.m., I'm like, well, I still am a little bit put together here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like put some effort into what I'm wearing to bed. Yes. And I could wear it into the day. Actually, I feel like this could totally pass as a normal shirt. They do have shirts like that. I remember it was a big thing a few years ago that they would create dress shirts that looked like that. And it was very confusing in the workplace when that first started because there were a lot of people that I was witnessing making comments to other people who wore shirts like that saying, why did you wear your pajamas to work? They're like, I spent $120 on this dress shirt. What do you mean? <laughs> you know what we should do? Do you remember in like, I don't know if you did this. So I, I played a lot of sports. Like I did a lot of sports in high school and middle school and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we would do on game days, we would do th- themes and we would dress up oh, and yeah. wear certain like costumes basically during school. What if you and I do themes? <laughs> For showing up for recording? <laughs> Like pajama day. We could do like crazy I mean, hair. I'm down. I could have worn – I was literally wearing like a full white set of essentially the same exact PJs you're wearing earlier. Okay. You shouldn't have showered. <laughs> God. <laughs> well, next week when we record, we will do that. Mm, mm-hmm. Let's actually do that. I'm so down okay. for a little pajama party. Pajama party. And then – I'm so down. Then we'll come up with other themes. So people who are watching this on YouTube, just post and comment what themes you would like to see us do. <laughs> Wacky hair. This feels like very, I don't know. This feels like an OnlyFans account now where it's like, how do you want me to dress? Tell me. I'll show up with it. Okay. On on the webcam in the outfit you choose. (laughs) Wait, Corinne, I I need to apologize ahead of time because I don't know how I got here, but our TGOG TikTok, I've been, because that's the only TikTok I have. So I watch TikToks on there. 
I found, I don't know how I got here, but Uh-oh. there. <laughs> What's this algorithm sending you? What are you choosing for yourself, really? I've had multiple videos of people who sell socks and do foot videos. And I don't know if it's like TikTok hearing us and talk about our potential business where we sell photos of our feet and videos of us like stepping on things. But no, I think you watched. <laughs> I think one was served to you to see how you and would react I watched to it. The you probably let thing. that thing loop. Oh, yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah, this girl. She's trying to sell you know, her feet. I used to kind of be like giggle and laugh about it and be like, uh-huh. But, but I really, serious. I would. I would. Let's do it. I'm serious. Let's do OnlyFans of our feet. It's called Only Feet. Well, I'm sure that's our, taken. Oh. Well, we're not- hey, but then you get to write off pedicures. That's a tax write-off. Okay, let's oh. do this. Let's just only start business adventures where we can write off all the things that we just want to do for self-care. Two girls, so four feet. But I claim the name Twinkle Toes. That's my, that's my. Wait, we have to do this together, Corinne. You can't have it on your own. Yeah, I know. We're just going to call me Twinkle Toes. Oh. What are you going to be called? I'll be Stinky Toes. When we put googly eyes, Stinky Toes. Okay, we have, we have, we have uh, Twinkle and Stinky. Those are our <laughs> porny feet names. And then we should do, we should do like where we put, you know how people go upside down on a bed or a couch and then they dress their chins they put googly eyes on their chins and then they talk upside down and it's like really goofy looking we should make our feet talk somehow you know dress them up give them a little each toe gets a its own little hat yes oh my god yes it's the toe show (laughs) this could be a youtube channel (laughs) i'm like i know we're kind of joking but i'm very serious (laughs) i really am if I all of a sudden oh. like start coming into a lot of money, you know why. I would never judge you for that. I honestly think it's a great idea. And if people can, oh, I mean, what a hustle, right? Like to sell the dirt from the bottom of your feet, to sell your socks, I to know. sell a, a picture of something everybody has, a toe. A toe. Well, maybe not everyone. Feet. But get your bag, girl. <laughs> you Do what it. your mama gave you. Yeah. <laughs> There was one girl who was talking about how she sells socks, but she was doing like renovation on a kitten room while she was talking about it. And Hmm. so I think maybe that's how I got there. I don't know. But I'm there now. We're there now. But she was saying that some guy wanted her to wear a pair of socks for 12 days straight and then send them to him. And she was like, okay, like that's going to be, I think it was like $420 or something like that. Or maybe even like 240. It was like wearing socks for 12 days. Come on. You can get a lot of money for that. And the guy was like, can you rationalize that for me? I don't so understand how you can charge me that much. And she's like, for 12 days, I have to wear these same socks, which is gross. I also can't sell any other socks in 12 days because of this. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, pay her her money. And if you do the math per hour of like when she's wearing these socks for over 12 12- See, that's why I couldn't get into this business because someone would say, wear this for 12 days and I'd be like, okay, wink, wink. And then I would just work out in them every day, get them nice and ripe. And then it seems like I wore them for 12 days, the full day. Yeah. I'd get 12 days worth of stinking, but for less amount of time, I think. I feel like how do you work smarter, not harder? That's the thing. It's like, how do these people prove or how can you be certain you're getting the 12 day sock? I guess you can't. What's that mug? I guess you can't. It's cute. I like your coffee mug. 
Oh, remember last February, this time last year, I was in Florida for two weeks and it was the best yes. time of my life. <laughs> I stayed at Tommy's Tommy's on the Beach mm-hmm. in, uh, why can't I remember where I was? Pirates something? Pir- Pirates Bay? I don't know. Pirates. Pirates like of the Caribbean? It was Pirates something. It was um just south of Clearwater. But Tommy's on the Beach, yeah. It, they're vacation rentals. So they were amazing. That's nice. I freaking loved it. It's right on the beach. They have a pool. They have kayaks, paddle boards, skim boards. They have literally everything. I was going to make a really sassy comment. And I was like, Tommy's on the beach is on the beach, Corinne. (laughs) Wow. And now I made it anyway. Yes. (laughs) Now you made it anyway. I mean, that's a good point. But let's be real. Think about all the Airbnbs and Verbos and and hotels that are like on the beach and then it's across the street yeah Yeah. or they're like a mile on the beach yeah you're very close to the beach but you're not on the beach but this is toes in the sand right outside your door it's great i want to go back alas well when we go to negative 30 degrees out in boston today so (sighs) i'm so sorry well that's okay but i'm gonna distract us for a second a.m in los angeles so it's probably pretty cold outside too could be, could be. Yesterday I was watching from my window people outside because you're not supposed to go outside. Oh, the, yeah. No. The weather alert, I mean, it was in Mount, at Mount Washington, it was like negative 60 or negative 70. It was basically like the coldest recorded night that has ever been recorded in mm. U.S. history up there. So, geez, that's New so England, crazy. We're suffering right now. It's super freaking cold. And last night in Boston, it hadn't been that cold since like 1881 or something. Like it was absolutely freezing. They were like, do not go outside. It is super dangerous. Like yeah. being outside for even a minute, you could be frostbitten. Yeah, basically. So I was like, oh, no one will be outside. Like at my window, there's so many people outside. And it's because there was a freaking like Celtics game or something. And Priorities. I just watched. I stood there for 10 minutes chuckling to myself because people would walk out and then they would of the restaurant or like wherever they were they would walk like 10 feet and then every single person would start sprinting everyone walked slowly and then sprinted so they weren't outside for very long i think because they were just going from like yeah, bar to bar from my view awful mm-hmm. i would i think i would step outside and just Perish. icicle immediately yes me too I'm, i have a permanent running nose so i would just oh. icicles off my Icicles of snot. You know what I did love, though, as a teenager growing up on the East Coast, when it was cold out, showering Mm -hmm. and immediately going outside and your hair would get frozen and like crunchy. Yes. Yes. Or like going into someone's hot tub. My parents had a hot tub for a few years. You just dip your head under and then let your hair get crunchy, but you were totally nice and warm down below. That was awesome. I loved uh, that. The joys, simple joys. But also, of this life. is a, a PSA to everyone to not make the same mistake I made a few years ago. Where you? if you decide you want to do a coconut mask and you put the coconut oil all in your hair, and then you're like, "What's a great thing I could do to pass the time? Why don't I go sit in a hot tub for 30 minutes outside in the cold? The coconut oil will solidify on your head. So don't do that. I feel like you want to be would, a grease ball for nine days. I feel like it solidifies no matter what. No. I have no idea. I That was the only time I did it. I was like, I'm never doing this again. Because even when I do, like when I'm baking and I have to like do melted coconut oil, mm-hmm. it start like, and I um, will line the baking pans with the coconut oil, it will start to solidify it. Oh, well, I don't know why we're putting coconut oil in our hair. Let's ask, let's ask who this actually works for. What technique are we missing here? Yeah. <laughs> so, What's your hair mask routine? Please tell let us. Let us know. Let us know. Okay, so yesterday while it was I was freezing my ass off inside with my heat set to 78 to keep it regular in here. 
I distracted myself by going through some DMs on our Instagram. Oh. And we have a DM from Kelsey that I want to read out loud. Kelsey said, Sabrina, you should research your family line regarding car deaths. It's likely ancestral trauma. I have major money trauma and my mom looked into our family history and my dad's side had a lot of money trauma. And it turns out his great-grandfather was murdered during (gasps) the Great Depression outside of a bank by a man who was upset about money. And this man, my great-great-grandfather, had a daughter who has my same birthday. Stop. I was like, oh, I'm totally telling Sabrina about this. That's wild. I wonder how I could figure that out because actually I think my dad's sisters and my aunt has done a lot of family tree stuff. Yeah, ancestry.com sort of thing. But it it could be from my mom's side and I don't know. Yeah. I have really wanted to get into the whole genealogy thing. So maybe that's something you and I could both do. We just like search for our own history. Okay, so now we're doing theme days and we're doing school projects research yeah projects <laughs> bring in your family tree and draw a picture of that represents oh, everyone do they still do that i feel like there was too much family secrets and drama that came out i think with i mean i think doing they that. Do that i think they do at least on the modern, classic punnett think, square you're like uh-oh my dad can't be my dad <laughs> or like all the kids in high school figuring out they're adopted because oh yeah they do the punnett they do the Punnett square and they're like, there's literally no way for me to look the way I do with What's the parents the that I have. Pundit square. It's it it looks at um your genetics. So basically like for eye color. Oh, like the recessive genes. You and I and both stuff? have brown. Yeah. So like we have brown, but I my mom has brown eyes, but she gave birth. So like here's a con- convoluted example. But like I have brown eyes. My brother has blue eyes. My dad has green eyes and my mom has brown eyes. So my dad is either carrying little green, little green, or little green, little blue. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know which one I got because I got 50% from him. So I have something, I have the potential of having a green or blue-eyed child. We just don't know which. Only if I'm with someone who also has Has a recessive gene. Yeah. But then my brother has blue eyes, so we don't know if my mom passed on her blue recessive to him or if my dad has a blue recessive that was passed. It's kind of like that. And it just goes – And me and my parents, we actually sat down and (laughs) and did all of this, like webbed it out for multi-generations the other night because I was like – it was over Christmas because I was like, I want to know what I have. Like, let's see if we can figure it out. And we just couldn't because there were so many people that it was either blue or green and we couldn't figure out exactly which color of recessive it was. So I'm, I have something. I just don't know what it is. I I feel like my brain just went on like a, a little bit of like a tangent <laughs> of its own because it's just so fascinating how our upbringings are one, very different, but two, generally how much they impact you in adulthood. Like I'm just thinking about how communicative your family is and how like conversational you all are. And the fact that you did this with your family to me, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Like Corinne is so confident. She like has like conversations and she's really good at holding her own in conversations. I have the the red lines and tape and the board and I'm like, gather around family. We're figuring out the mysteries. Whereas like my family didn't talk much. It was a lot of like, hey, I'm gonna go to my room and like watch this movie on my mini dvd player and so like that's why i'm more reserved and quiet and a listener more than a contributor i think you're a contributor it's just different because you might feel 
Uh, well, I f- it's hard because I'm viewing like mine and your relationship is so different than your relationship with probably a lot of other people. So I'm like, yeah. you're confident, you're a contributor because our business is 50-50 <laughs> and you do bring like a ton of ideas and <laughs> and have a lot of opinions and like are strong in, in that sense. So I guess yeah. it's hard for me sometimes when you talk about yourself like that because I don't see it. Well, because you and I... I know you feel it, so I feel bad. You and I have known each other for a very, very long time, so it's a little bit different. But And it's not a negative thing. Like I think I am a woman of fewer words, aside from on this podcast. Um, (laughs) I get... I get my all after of, like ten thousand hours are posted online. A few times. What if like all of my words were on the podcast and I never spoke otherwise? <gasps> oh, what a mystery! What a secret! I love this. Also, you have a ton of words; they're just written down in television, book, that sort of format. Often because I was but alone whoa. a lot, so creativity gave me life. That's your new movie. It's it's a talk show host that is actually completely mute in their real life. in their regular life. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Oh man, fruit fly just visited me. Oh, fruit fly, we haven't seen you in many years. How are you? How are you? <laughs> What's new in Banana Land? You know what? It is shocking to me how long ago fruit fly came into our lives. And I think we got used to Fruit Fly that we stopped seeing it. Like, yeah, but we this, made merch for Fruit Fly. We did. Fruit Fly was our was the podcast familiar for a while. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Interesting. Welcome back, Fruit Fly. Welcome back. Happy to have you. What is but your just message? For you, not your friends. <laughs> just one. Just one, please. Just one. Okay. I have a story for you. Oh. And it's one that. I've teased. I told everyone I was going to cover it. And now is time. Now is the time. The time. For us to cover the aerial school <gasps> phenomenon. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. You really have I been waiting to do this for so long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's just so, uh I like, uh, honestly, okay. should I just lay down and just get ready, get cozy, get back in bed? Yeah, you should. <laughs> you I want you to hang a hammock right where exactly across the screen. And then you can just like lay on the hammock and okay. really enjoy this wild tale okay. of a mass extraterrestrial sighting. So the My date. favorite. <laughs> September 16th, 1994. It is the witching hour in the U.S., here on the East Coast, Sabrina. So you and I, one years old, we were probably chilling in our cribs, uh-huh. doing things, dreaming about not Pooping. being in haunted homes, you know, yep, stuff like that. And uh, while we were haunted in our own cribs, what people across the world from us were experiencing at 10 a.m. their time was a mass alien sighting. Oh my gosh. It was in Rua, Zimbabwe, and the children at the aerial school were about to be visited by otherworldly beings. This is one of the wildest alien encounters that I've ever heard of, and I also believe it to yeah. be true. But the town of Rua, which was about 20 miles outside of the capital, it was a small farming town. So even though it was close to the capital and close to some action, for the most part, it was very agricultural. Like most of it was farms. There wasn't a ton going on, there wasn't a built out a hugely built out larger town, but there was a school there. It was an expensive private primary school that took children between the ages of five and 12. So that was a lot of the action that was going on in this area. It's 10 a.m. and many of the children are on their mid-morning break, which was basically recess. Like 
They had this time in the middle of the morning to go outside, blow off steam, run around, you know, the good elementary school days where you get basically double recess. And I think that that is what they had experienced. So mid-morning, they're outside, they're enjoying the sunshine in their schoolyard, and just a few steps inside, teachers and staff are attending a faculty meeting. So there are pretty much no adults outside. It's just the older kids making sure the younger kids are okay. Plus, there is a parent nearby because there was this sort of snack station that the parents would rotate through and man, <laughs> which is so great. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So there was one parent there, but okay. w- was kind of like off on the side in this other structure that was on the property. So not right where a lot of the action was. And there's over 100 students here. So there's a lot of action. You know, there's there's a lot of distractions and screams and kids running around. So it's hard to zero in on if something is actually happening. And what time is this again? 10 a.m. Okay. So it's like start of the day, pretty much. It is sunny. Sunshine. Yeah. There's not a cloud in the sky. Which is very strange because I feel like most encounters with UFOs, aliens, extraterrestrial beings is in the night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, this was during the day, which is why it's so – it's hard to wrap your mind around what they saw. But basically what happened was during this break, a boy named Luke ran up to the mother that was working at the snack shop area and exclaimed that he, quote, saw a little man in a one-piece suit with a band around his head. Basically saying, like, I saw an alien. A band around his head. A band around his head. I'm imagining like those doctor lights. Oh. See, I was thinking like a 80s aerobic instructor. (laughs) Like a sweat band. Like a sweat band. But they're both right. Both of these examples. Yours is so much better. Oh my gosh. I need someone to draw that, please. A little man in a suit with a like a workout alien. Maybe the last time they visited was in the 80s, just a few years before. And so they were like, this time we're gonna blend in. We know what they wear. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, just yes. <laughs> but they did not blend in they didn't, <laughs> didn't and work. the parent the parent who hears luke the little boy luke say this is kind of like okay like child's imagination this is a prank not really giving much thought to it and he's insistent but she's like whatever and another student at this time is running inside to go get the faculty mm-hmm. to go get the teachers and to say like something's happened please ring the bell like let's go back inside like let's end recess so They cut recess short. Everybody files back inside. Over 100 students are coming indoors from out, and a large number of them are worryingly discussing what they had just seen. Teachers are overhearing this chatter, these murmurs, and they're like, come again? What was outside? What did you see? Who approached you? What did they look like? Like, holy crap, are you about to be preyed on by evil people? It's basically, I think, kind of what they were thinking by a man but then the in, children in 80s workout clothing yes what is yes. the white john pastow has come to abduct you the white suit <laughs> is actually a tracksuit like matching set <laughs> but you're you're kind of close to what they were wearing <laughs> i'm imagining like a juicy off. couture matching set on the on the butt it says like sweetie <laughs> rhinestones <laughs> oh man oh this is great <laughs> 
So the children tell their teachers, they say, we watched a metallic disc float through the sky, hover above the brush up at the top of the hill. So just outside of the perimeter of the school property, land down amongst some of the brush and the trees. And it was oblong shaped. It was kind of silvery, gold. All the kids kind of had the same sort of description. It was either yellow or white or silver or gold. So there was some sort of glow in this color coming from it. And there was also a bright light coming from the object that a lot of kids said was on the backside of this UFO. Okay. Oh, okay. This bright light, many kids said, was so bright it felt like the sun and they felt like they had to shield their eyes. It was blinding to them. And the light Uh on the backside was pulsating. So it wasn't the sun. It wasn't just a flashlight. There was something odd, some sort of energy coming from the ship. Okay, you know what I like to think? I like to now picture aliens being really eco-friendly. And so all of their spacecrafts are solar powered. And that's why they're metallic because it absorbs like this, like, you know, like what are they called? The uh, the rays, the UV? No, what are those like, the- po- like solar panels? Like I'm imagining oh. the whole ship is made of solar panels. Yeah, yeah. Really strong ones because when they're in deep space away from the sun and other powerful stars, they have to be powered. Yeah, well, they juice they juice up, they refuel when they land and they... Yeah, and they're juicy couture sweats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they juice up. <laughs> oh, gosh. Juicy. Juicy. Okay, so all of these kids are saying, or a large number of them are saying that this is what they saw and that the thing was about 100 yards away. So because it was far enough away and because so many of the kids had seen it, some of the kids that were a little feeling a little bit braver, they ran to the edge of the school property to try to get a closer look at this shiny object in the distance. The disc was large, it was on the ground, and the kids who stood close to it and close to each other watched as several figures exited the bottom of the craft, or in some cases, crafts, because a few kids did believe that they saw multiple crafts this day. But there was Mm. one on the ground that everyone seemed to be looking at. And now the teachers are like, oh, what fun. How enjoyable. What a creative story. But because of how many more children kept saying it, they were like, oh, shoot, this might be something. But they don't really know what to think of it or how to react to it because they were inside. There was an adult outside who saw nothing. That's what's And so there's another 40 some kids who are like, I didn't see anything. See, that's what's weird is like 60 kids see this thing and mm-hmm. no adults see it. So it's similar Mm-mm. to, you know, how kids are much more in tune and open to seeing spirits. Like what if that's the same with aliens? Oh, Interesting. Yeah, right. Because they're a little, maybe a little bit more receptive to it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I also like thinking about being a child. I feel like there's a lot of fear too, right? Like where the, when you're a kid, you're scared of the monster under your bed. When you're adult, an adult, you're mostly not scared of the monster under your bed. I am. So, I'm still scared of the monster <laughs> under the bed. That's why I I stuff I put all storage underneath my bed because I can't stand the thought of there being enough room for anyone to hide under my bed. Yeah. So I just pile shit under there. But monsters like rat. can still be under the bed. Oh, I guess so. In my mind, the biggest monster is a human intruder. So <laughs> That's true. I'll leave space for the, the paranormal monsters. Yes. They're fine. I'm most scared of... Oh, agreed. Men. <laughs> agreed. So, okay. So the teachers 
they're a bit concerned, but they're also rationalizing everything because uh, there had been multiple UFO sightings throughout the southern region of Africa at this time. And a radio station, ZBC Radio, had requested for people to call in and report what they had seen. And many people called in describing a bright fireball heading through the sky, and perhaps it was a meteor that had entered Earth's atmosphere, maybe a few of them, but regardless... It really enraptured listeners, and people were tuning into the radio station. People were aware of these UFO sightings, and the UFO the UFO sightings were ticking upward in terms of sighting numbers. So a lot of people were seeing them. So these adults are kind of thinking maybe, you know, these kids had heard it on the radio. Maybe their parents mm. had mentioned something about UFOs, and, and they just want to be a part of it. They're really excited. They're like, I saw aliens, UFOs, fairy godparents. Like, you know, they're, they're the collective energy and excitement. The kids are probably all playing pretend. I remember in middle school, there was a girl who was so paranormally in tune that there was one time she was like, I saw a ghost at school. And then I was like, jealous. and I, But then I was like, I saw a ghost in school. So I, I can totally <laughs> see. And I didn't. I just wanted to. That's how to. it happens. I just feel like yeah. there are times where if one person says something, it's very easy to become a totally. community experience. I agree. And when I was in middle school and we had an overnight experience, there was a group of like four or five of us who all saw a dark figure with glowing eyes in the front locked room. Oh, and it was spirit. Like we we saw it collectively together and we all screamed and ran back to our homeroom. And Mr. McGraw, who was such an incredible teacher, my mom oh. and I still talk about him all the time because I was going through a lot in middle school. And yeah. he was just so, like the best person that I oh, possibly could have really been nice. in a classroom with. But he was like, oh, you guys just had like mass hallucination or probably <laughs> thought that we were just excited. One person said something and so the rest of us believed it. But like, no, right. we saw that. I need to go. I need to send Mr. McGraw a letter and be like, we actually saw a ghost. 20 years ago okay <laughs> you have to believe us maybe he believed you Please. but didn't want to scare it's you it's important to me that you believe me <laughs> this is this has bothered me for years <laughs> oh, he believed me with everything else so it's okay yeah but the teachers are like okay maybe these kids just want to be a part of the phenomena that's going on in southern africa right now which is basically a bunch of ufo sightings all over the place so this could have easily been ignored. But the kids go home and this pretend alien invasion doesn't just end at school. The kids go home and parents are like, hey, how was your day? Mm -hmm. And the kids tell them these wild stories of these small black clothed figures with long black hair uh, descending from a shiny object next to their school. Why do I feel like they're like little Samaras? <laughs> I know. Well, I will say there was only one that I could see one example of the black hair um, being drawn by the children, mm -hmm. which we'll get to in a second. Okay. But for the most part, a lot of them were bald in their depiction. So I don't know if it was truly everybody thought that they had black hair, but at least one of them maybe did. Like wigs. I don't know. Wigs. Maybe one in. of them was wearing a wig trying to fit in. Like, we can't all be bald here. Like, they're going to know something's up. You get the headband, I'll get the wig. <laughs> I just imagine. Wait, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this needs to be. This, I'm. I just need to 
have this exist. It's the story of these aliens coming to Earth. And there's two of them that are like really excited. It's their first time to Earth. They're like, oh my gosh, we're going to be such good aliens. And they're like, are kind of, they're like, <laughs> okay, how do we make this our own? And they get dressed up and they get excited and everyone's like, you two need to chill. And they're like, (laughs) you don't know what you're talking about. We are going to fit in. You guys are doing it wrong. Anyway. (laughs) And that's how they show they're the only two with juicy sweats. (laughs) (laughs) One one has sweetie, but the other one has brat. (laughs) Be dazzled on the back of their butt. I just want to see They go to the mall. (laughs) Also, we're wrong here with the timing. They are time travelers because if they're wearing juicy sweats with Sweetie and Brat on the back of their booties, they lived, they came here in the early 2000s. So maybe they're just mixing. They invented juicy. No, we got juicy from another planet because one of the aliens stayed. They were like, you know what? I really think I could see a life for myself here. I'm an entrepreneur. No one cares about my sweatsuit business. (laughs) Back at home, I'm coming to Earth and I'm selling it to all these (laughs) idiotic people. I don't know if it's because it's (laughs) early or what, but this is hilarious. They're like, I'm going to target 12-year-old girls. That's my prime age demographic. And also like like moms. Like moms. Moms. Specifically in New Jersey. (laughs) I'm not okay. Okay, be serious. This is supposed to be a serious alien encounter. We are very serious podcasters. Okay. Okay. Ah, Okay. All right. So the adults are like, ring, ring, school, hello. Who are these people that approached? Stop making me laugh. (laughs) I'm not trying to. Hello, school. Ring, 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 ring. Hello. (laughs) Breathe, 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 breathe. This is my ab workout for the day. (laughs) Okay. But basically the parents are like, what the hell school? Why were my children outside in the schoolyard being approached by all of these figures that they're talking about who endangered my child here? What was everyone doing? Yeah. And so the head teacher then is like, oh, let's launch an investigation. This is pretty serious. Calling the GBI. They totally, well, they basically did. If we were, if that had existed, they would have called the GBI, but they who we want to be in the GBI is essentially who they called. We so <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't stop. Our new uniforms for GBI have to be juicy sweat. Juicy sweat. And our on our butt it says GBI. GBI. <laughs> oh my god, I love okay, it. Okay, I'll be quiet now. Please tell your story. Oh, can we can someone who's good at art, can someone please draw this? This is so good. And then we can give them. We can provide the mock-up to the future person who's in charge of this costumes is, when the GBI, when our galactic and ghost bureau of investigation becomes real. Our new merch, <laughs> juicy sweats. Bring them back. There are a lot of other horrible things from the early two thousands that we don't want being brought back. So let's do this. Let's all focus on this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So 
The head teacher, they launch an investigation that calls some experts in. And one of the things that they do is they ask all of the children to sit down at their tables. They hand out a sheet of paper to all of the kids and say, can you please draw what you saw? And they did, each drawing eerily similar, a rounded oblong silver object. A few students drew the same craft in the tree line with figures coming out from under it, presumably the kids who had run to get a closer look. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, so now we're going to put a collage of some of the photos that the kids drew up on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. They're all so similar. And let's look at them. They're so similar, right? Okay, so if we zoom in, pretty much every single one of them shows the tree line and the brush. So we know exactly where the craft landed, right? Yeah. And it's all a very similar shape. So kind of like that classic UFO shape. Some of them look a little more cigar-like. And then some of them have like a little stars around them signifying the bright light that came from it. It's so cool. Like the fact that they're all Isn't the it? same. And then look at the photo on the bottom right With, oh. where it's just the little kid drawing themselves looking up into the sky on oh, their playground, on the playground as a ship goes over them. That one does look like a blimp. It does. It does. Which Also, these are good drawings. How old are these kids? Um, they're they're aged five to twelve. Okay, the top at the school. The top left one looks like it has legs and shoes on. Yes, John Wheeler drew that. So they all, a, a lot of them. If you zoom in, they have the kids' names who drew them. They signed their drawings. It's wow. it's it's wild. Okay, so a lot of the drawings look like this, mm-hmm. and some kids even drew two pictures and labeled it Thursday and Friday. So basically signifying, and one of the photos is in here. So if you look at the very right, that middle photo, there's one that's very cigar-like that says Thursday. And then Friday, there's almost like a T-shaped one, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But basically this is when they started looking at all of these photos, they realized that many of the kids did have sightings on two different days. So the thought is that on Thursday, there may have been a flyover. Oh. And then on Friday is when the aircrafts actually landed, or at least one of them did. So they scouted so the area first. They scouted the area. Oh. Yes. Okay. One of the students had described seeing multiple objects in the sky moving together and then blinking out of view only to appear again just moments later in another area of the sky. So the way that these aircraft moved was weird, right? Like it, it was like... It was traveling through time rather than traveling through the air. Hmm. It was like little mini portals. Like they didn't just ride like a airplane would right. ride in the air. It would blink, blink, and just keep showing up in different spots. Hop, skip, and jump. Hop, skip, and jump. And so everyone thinks this UFO and these figures look the same. All these kids do. But we just don't know exactly how many there were because there's some contradictory statements from the kids. But everyone seems to agree that there was at least one object that landed in the brush just beyond the school's property. And as the craft landed, the kids remember a gentle whooshing sound that was pretty high-pitched and the feeling of a gust of wind coming and hitting them. It's like a helicopter. Yes. And Sabrina had... You mentioned this earlier, but so there were over 100 kids in the whole school that were out in the schoolyard. Mm -hmm. But the amount of children who saw this, it's not just like a group of eight on the side who saw this. 62 children 
reported this. 62 kids drew essentially the same exact thing. Jeez. The entire encounter happened in less than 15 minutes, 15 minutes that weren't really supervised. But how can you say that 62 kids, even if they're not supervised, are all sticking to the same exact story with the same details? How can you say that those kids are lying? Right. Especially the drawings. Like I feel like- Yes. That the similarities in those to me makes it feel more real. I agree. I agree. And they're interviewed. These kids go through a lot of interviews and this investigation is getting a lot of press too. So for them to keep sticking to their story, that's also very impressive. You know, if if a kid was lying, I feel like a lot of those kids would probably feel really uncomfortable and, and say, mm, I was just kidding. Like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. You know, sort of back out of it once they realize they're in too far. Which reminds me of, what was that story I covered of like the three women and their abduction? Oh, oh. Why am I When they were out to dinner for that one woman's birthday and none of them had drank. And they were so scared to talk about it. It got like, yes, they were really, I mean, And they had a lot of physical Mm -hmm. health problems after that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember their names. Cynthia? Something like that. But yes, yes, it is. It's a traumatic experience for sure. So you can't ignore what's happening. You can't ignore all of these photos. And very quickly, it makes headlines. And the radio is talking about it. Newspapers are discussing it. And BBC heads to the school. They send a correspondent to the school on September 19th. So this is just three days later, three days after the kids all experience this on a Friday. So on Monday, BBC, their correspondent, sits down with the kids and staff members. And years later, in a documentary made about this case, the BBC journalist, who was a hardened war correspondent, like he spent most of his time covering war stories, he said, his name is Tim Leach, by the way, he said, quote, I couldn't handle this UFO thing. It just didn't make sense. I couldn't get my head around it. Oh. So out of all the atrocities that he has witnessed, this is a case that sticks with him because he can't, he doesn't understand how this happened. Uh, It's so fascinating to me. I know. So Tim also reaches out. This is our GBI situation. Mm -hmm. So we've got a a really decorated correspondent from BBC who contacts a renowned ufologist, Cynthia Hind, to come and also investigate this case. And so Cynthia, she visits the school and she begins her investigation on September 20th, so four days after. So there's a lot that's happening with the amount of Teachers and parents getting stories, the drawings, the BBC correspondent, and Cynthia, like it's all happening within the first week. So there's a lot of opportunity for stories to change and to shift and to mold, but they don't. They're the same. The accounts are the same from the children. Okay. Cynthia interviewed all of the children individually about their accounts, and each child's accounts matched the other 60-some kids. Cynthia then looked into the children's family history, and while this was a private school, many of the children came from very diverse backgrounds. So there was a lot of international kids. There were families that were, you know, from, I'm going to butcher this, but, you know, there was some people who were from local tribes. There were some people who lived in the local city. There were some people who grew up in France, some people who were from India, a couple people from the United okay. States or Canada. So then the diversity in culture and background and beliefs were huge. Right. All of these children were very different. And in her interviews, she realized that Not all of these kids had believed that they saw a UFO or aliens. And because of some people's beliefs, some of the children felt like they saw something else. And a lot of the kids from Africa were discussing the Tokolosh, which we covered on a previous episode. They thought that they were seeing the Tokolosh. Interesting. Which 
are these little, as a reminder, it's basically like this goblin-esque creature that wears the skin of dead people and is like this gray, sagging little body. It's kind of like... um, It's scary. What's the guy from The Ring? Or what's his name? Um, uh, Ah, it's on the tip of my tongue. From The Ring? Not The Ring. From uh, Lord of the Rings. Men in Black? From Lord of the Rings. Gollum. Oh. Gollum. Gollum. Oh, Gollum. 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 Yes, it looks like Gollum. I was thinking of Men in Black where in the first movie where the the alien puts on the skin suit of the dead guy in the farm. We should do like a little picture in the video of Vatokolosh for a reminder. Yes. Yeah, that's a good, good call. We'll put it here. So a lot of the kids don't quite know exactly what they saw. They just know that they had seen something. Yeah. And that it definitely wasn't an airplane because a lot of people were saying, are you sure it wasn't just an aircraft? And the kids were like, no, it wasn't an airplane. And also, I don't know why you have to ask that when there's 60 photos showing it's clearly not an airplane yeah. or at least one that we know of. Even more interesting is that the kids, while having many theories about these dark figures on the edge of their school's property, none of them screamed alien. In fact, a lot of the kids, while some of them were like, I think I saw an alien because they were a little bit exposed from their parents and the radio and everything, a large majority of the children had no idea what what a UFO was. They hadn't heard about extraterrestrials. It hadn't been a part of their upbringing. So again, just a huge variation uh, between these children and their upbringing and their beliefs and what they thought they saw. They knew they all saw something. They could describe it the same, but they didn't all have the same words or understanding of what they saw. Right. Another interesting detail that both Cynthia and the BBC correspondent Tim discovered was that although 62 kids had reported seeing either the craft, the figures, or both, there were dozens of other students, because the school has over 100 kids, dozens of other students that were outside next to the same exact kids that saw nothing, experienced nothing. So it kind of goes to your point, Sabrina, where you were like, are some kids more exposed to it? Kind of like ghosts, can they see things other people can't? Were there some kids that were just way more closed off or like couldn't for some reason see what the majority of the other kids in the schoolyard were experiencing? Or I don't know. I mean, kids in the play, like think about recess and how distracted you were. Like as a kid, you're playing kickball, you're looking at insects. I don't know. I feel like there's just different things that you're doing. So it's very possible. That's true. There's just a distraction. And I'd also be curious about the spread of ages. Like were the majority of the kids who didn't see it, were they like five or six, you know, Mm. more distracted, less less interested in what is landing in the the property of the school? While the older kids, the the 11-year-olds, the 12-year-olds are like, what in the heck is that? Yeah. You know, because they're – and they're also – the older kids I feel like have – feel some responsibility for the younger kids, especially when they're unsupervised on the playground, all <laughs> all ages together, right? Yeah, so maybe some of them were a little bit protected from what they were seeing. This, so the, the figures that came out of this craft, mm-hmm. the kids described between one and four figures with large eyes that sat further down on their face than a human. So it was a little bit more oh. like if you think about where your cheekbone is, that's where they said that these eyes sat. Hmm. They dressed entirely in a tight, shiny black suit, so not a juicy couture sweatsuit, but clothes. There's still a suit matching. Yeah, yeah. And these beings had small slits for mouths. It was said by a few people that, or by a few kids, that there was long black hair and the figures were small. They were child-sized. They exit the silver craft and approach the group closest to the perimeter of the school property. 
They moved in a strange way. Some kids said that it seemed as if gravity couldn't quite keep them down, keep the beings down in place. So it was compared to if an astronaut were walking on the moon, that sort of floating, slow move through space. Others said it was like they were blinking in and out of existence. So similar to one of the kids or multiple children's report of UFOs kind of or the the crafts overhead blinking and seemingly disappearing and popping up in the next spot. They said it looked like that as they moved. So it would disappear and appear again a little bit closer. Some of the younger kids got scared and they ran back to the school, but some stayed. And I said, Brandon, pull up the second photo. Okay. So here are the photos or a few photos of the drawings that children made showing (gasps) the alien creatures. Again, so many similarities. All so similar. Wait, the one with the wig. (laughs) The one with the wig. (laughs) We don't have the one with the band over its head, although we sort of do. So if you look at the one with the yellow background, there appears to be some sort of cap or band around that alien's head. And again, if you look at the bottom left, there appears to be multiple crafts around the big one that landed in the brush. But they all show generally the same thing. (sighs) The one that really hurts my heart... (laughs) is the one on the top right because it shows, it says the person, alien, this child was clearly a little bit older and, and yeah. wrote, or or maybe someone else had written descriptions. But it says, it shows the alien. And then it shows a cluster of kids who all have frowning faces or mouths agape. They're scared. They're showing the scared kids. Yeah, there's like a alien. sad face. Also, I love that this kid labeled everything. Labeled clouds, the person slash alien, the trees. Yep. And then they wrote, I had just then, finished writing lines and I went out to break and I saw the alien. All the children were there. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then right below it, there's another photo that with the description that said, big black eyes, mouth not seen properly, which maybe is because it, those that did see it said it was a really small slit. Yeah. Body similar to humans, but all black with a saucer. Wow. Very wild. Yeah. So then another member who we would want to be part of the GBI, (laughs) John Mack, a Harvard professor of psychiatry and Pulitzer Prize winner, Mm. is the next person to gain access to the school and to interview the children. It's important to note here that John had a fascination with UFOs and extraterrestrial life, and he wasn't simply coming to provide some sort of psychiatric diagnosis, although I'm sure that was probably part of it, a little bit part of it, to understand if there was some mass hysteria or something going on. But he also came with a strong alien intrigue. So he brought his expertise, but he also brought a lot of curiosity. I get it. I would too. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I will say, unfortunately for for John Mack, he did publish a book with his findings from this case and from many other clients that he had worked with, Mm -hmm. people who he'd sat down in a psychiatric setting or people who he'd just interviewed who came to him with their accounts of UFOs and alien abductions. Mm -hmm. And Harvard took a strong look and launched an investigation on Dr. John Mack because essentially in the book, he was insinuating that what these people had experienced, that they weren't all delusions. Some of them very much could be real. And so the university didn't want one of their professors to basically say, I believe in alien abductions. Oh, I was going to say, why would they launch an investigation into this? Well, because it was their reputation. And Mm. so, which is so crazy because it's like, why would you scoff at a Harvard professor suggesting that there could be life outside of Earth in our infinite universe? 
shouldn't that kind of be a general consensus, I would think? I agree. It's like the chances of it, I feel like, are are there. Yes, but I think of the time, maybe it was different. And also, I mean, think about even today, the amount of people who do not believe in the existence of something else. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's a it's very hard because we believe so hard. <laughs> I know, I know. Coming from our perspective, it is hard, but yeah, it is controversial. What do you mean? Yes, yes. So they did launch a 14-month investigation, and luckily for Dr. John Mack, he he uh, came out of it reinstated. They were like, there's nothing to see here. Continue as you are. But that kind of stinks for him because he he really – he had said that he really didn't think that his involvement in this case would basically put his career on the yeah. line. And that was – upsetting and shocking for him and unfortunately he he has passed away he died i think a decade ago in um a car accident so unfortunately he's no longer able to to be here and to study all of this but at the time he goes he fully believes in aliens or at least the possibility of life outside of earth yeah and he's traveling to zimbabwe to meet 62 students who all encountered what sounds like based off of their drawings to be visitors from outer space 100 percent. i have no doubt mm-hmm. he arrives in november so it's a couple months after the sighting and he i will say this there's some interview practices that he did that that i think contributed to some people being like what he uncovered can't be factual at oh. all because basically he he was excited he interviewed some of the kids in groups rather than one-on-one individually gotcha. so- and because of that, he people were saying like, you know, there there could have been leading questions and kids could have been influenced by what other kids had said and their answers, Fair. which is true. They could have been. Fair. But we can't forget about all of the other individual interviews that came a couple months before. Right. And at that and point- And a lot like, of it was still the same. At that point, those kids have already talked to each other. Yes, yeah. exactly. But while John is there, some of the kids tell him that they didn't just see these figures emerge from the metallic object that flew through the sky. They actually communicated with them telepathically. And this would make the alien encounter a close encounter of the fifth kind. I was not expecting this. So what did these aliens say? Yeah. When the beings got close to the kids, the kids said that they had a hard time looking away from them. Because they felt like they were in a trance. Oh my gosh. It's One scary. little girl remembers. Yes. Especially because looking at the craft was so bright that it was hard to look at it. But mm. now that the aliens are there, they're they're t- basically putting them into some sort of hypnotic state. Yeah. One little girl remembers trying hard to not look at these creatures. She was scared of them and she said it felt like her thoughts and feelings went with the creature. A connection had been made. Oh. Whoa. And the beings spoke to the kids telepathically to the children about the environmental impacts of human actions. A fifth grader named Francis told John that it felt like a warning. They said something was going to happen and that pollution mustn't be. A younger girl, 11 years old, said, quote, I think they want people to know that we're actually making harm on this world and <gasps> we mustn't get too technological. Wait, they were trying to save us. Trying to save us. Trying to give us See, a warning about- they do about- have solar-paneled UFOs. They do. They care. <laughs> they're, they care. They're, or they're green conscious. Yeah. Working on their carbon yes. footprint. Totally. Another child remembers this warning being much more ominous and that the world would end because we're not taking care of the planet. Which is true. So all of these beings are telepathically communicating this with the children that are at the edge of the property. And like that one girl said, it felt like- they 
there was some sort of connection. Like they knew everything about her and her thoughts. And it was scary because suddenly she wasn't in total control of herself. Wow. Now, many are critical of Dr. John because they said that he must have swayed or prompted the kids to speak about this, that the telepathic communications weren't reported by Cynthia or Tim, so it must not be true. Mm. However, I did read that it later came out in Cynthia's report that she had discovered some of the same comments from the kids. Many of the children later in life back up these statements, though. So they're like, they we weren't lying. Yeah. We weren't making this up. What wow. we saw was true. And the messages that John wrote about the kids receiving these warnings were factual. Wow. If we revisit the fireball that people had seen. So remember, at first, the adults, the teachers, they're concerned, but they're also like, oh, are these kids just influenced by all the UFO sightings that are happening in, at the time? Right. So two days prior to that sighting, there had been a bunch of fireball UFOs seen. And that was reported a bunch on the radio. So it could have influenced kids a little bit. But I want to revisit that because it turns out what all those people had seen was likely the re-entry of the Zenit 2 rocket from the Cosmos 2290 satellite launch. So basically, there was this Russian satellite launch that happened on August 26th of that year. And I don't know oh, anything about re-entry patterns and timing. There we go. Yeah, the Russians sent a satellite up and they tried to communicate with the aliens. Love no, it. they were basically just putting a satellite into the, into space. But I don't know the timing of when reentry normally happens, but apparently it's believed that that what people had seen was the reentry of the rocket um, and that it was breaking up into these basically like essentially little meteorites and, and oh. just burning going okay. through space. But also many astronomers said that it was probably just a meteor shower. So there's kind of like contradicting yeah. evidence a little bit. Everybody has theories about what it probably was that wasn't a UFO, but no one has said for certain with record what was where at that time. Right. But there were also many more sightings of UFOs during this time. Sightings without fiery balls going through space, sightings during the day, and even a sighting of an alien being on the road being seen by various witnesses. Cynthia Hind, UFO expert, who also went to aerial school, mm -hmm. she had also received many reports of a fireball, one larger with two smaller ones trailing behind. So there's a lot going on. Some are fiery balls. Some are actual aliens being seen on the roads. There was like a trucker who saw one. There was a mom and her son who saw one. There was a lot going on. And so right. it is a little bit confusing as to what's happening. But all of the kids are still sticking to their story. And then let's fast forward. So that was 1994. And now we're flashing forward 20 yeah. years to 2014. The okay. male and guardian spoke to one of the children who was now an adult about her experience on September 14th, 1994, what she had seen. And she remembers the creatures. She remembers her fear. She feels like she can sense when they're in our atmosphere presently. So when they come back, to earth she, she gets a feeling that they're near so they're connected that they're close they're connected and Whoa. she's terrified that they're going to come back and find her again and for many people oh this gosh. wasn't an exciting sighting on the playground this was a traumatic event oh, in their childhood oh, that makes me sad i know in 2016 emily trim who if you go back and, and look at some of the, the photos that were included earlier in the video and we'll post them on social media as well mm -hmm. emily trim she was a witness who attended aerial school that day and she has been painting she's a painter now and she's been painting about what she'd seen her experiences and oh. trying to express and portray the messages that she had received telepathically with those beings 
She also participated in the documentary called Aerial Phenomenon, which came oh. out recently. Okay. Got to watch that. Yes. Yeah. So the the documentary maker, he tracked down – he said it was very difficult to track down a lot of the survivors because people don't really want to talk right. about this. But he did find quite a few people that were kids that day and interviewed them and also interviewed the BBC correspondent, Tim. So – Definitely worth a watch. Yeah. Emily and her two older siblings had attended this school, Emily being in third grade at the time, and her parents yanked all three kids from school after hearing about what had happened. Emily describes how hard it was to be one of the kids there that day, to know what you saw, to be unwavering in your report, but to still have peers and adults question your reality, to suggest that you're a liar, that you're crazy, that you just want attention. She said she felt like she lost her support system. Oh, that's so sad. Many of the other kids feel this way too. Now in their 30s and 40s, many people have refused to give interviews or will only do it with their identity concealed. They know what telling their truth can bring to them. The backlash, the loss of friends, talking about their experiences has only led them to become more lonely. Mm. Cynthia Hind ridiculed the public and even many of the parents of the children for their lack of support in their kids. She said, quote, What a frightening indictment of our society that we are confronted by something we don't understand. We don't even attempt to open our minds to the event. And Dr. John Mack also said something similar. And I'm, I'm like very much paraphrasing this here, but he essentially said something to the effect of let's open our minds and accept that we don't know what we don't know. Yes, it's true. Last, totally. Last year, a photographer, Gunter Hofer, Hofer? Uh, he was one of the first ones actually on site back in 1994, and he shared some of his photos with the Daily Mail of the land where the students had been certain the craft had landed. So when he got there on site, I think it was the day after the sighting, to photograph the space for radio, for BBC, for all the news outlets. Mm-hmm. And he had been directed by the kids and staff as to where the UFO had landed. And when he went and investigated that area, he took pictures of the land. And there's actually impression in the soil. And you can look this up on, on Daily Mail. Okay. There's impressions in the soil that are kind of like a skinny triangle shape where it's thought that could have been an impression left from the UFO leg landing oh. right there on the soil. So there's photos of it. Also, last year, the documentary called Aerial Phenomenon came out which plays many of the clips from the original BBC interviews. So you get to see these kids a few days after they had seen the aliens talk about their experience. Mm -hmm. And it also interviews some of these kids, now adults, to hear from them firsthand. The aerial school UFO incident, also called the aerial school phenomenon, has become one of the most famous UFO cases in Africa and in UFO history. And this is not the first mass sighting of a UFO or alien at a school. There have been many others. But alas, skeptics chalk it up to mass hysteria, a group hallucination, 60 kids lying. Now, I believe the kids. Me too. But our question, dear listener, (laughs) is do you? Yeah. And that's the aerial school. I imagine. Alien sighting. Aerial school. I called it alien school. (laughs) Well, I mean, basically. It's it's basically alien school now. Okay. So that is where we start with our two characters they're in alien mm-hmm. school and they, alien they finally school. graduate and now they get to go to earth and you know wear their juicy couture <laughs> yeah <laughs> live out their pop star dreams that's where the lizzie mcguire movie comes from it's just those two aliens and they play both parts <laughs> hey now hey now 
So you're saying Hillary Duff is an alien. <laughs> Probably. I love her. Yeah. She's magical. She is magical. Okay. But so one, this story is so fascinating. Two, I mean, for these, for so many of them to see this and experience this, for them to be getting the message that we are damaging our planet. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I totally understand like why, one, it's traumatizing for so many reasons, but to then be told these messages that it's so bleak and then yeah, how are they as young children supposed to take upon that responsibility to help save the earth, you know? Right. I know. Yeah. I mean, clearly the aliens came here for a mission. It's not like they abducted any of the kids, right? It's not right. like they set ablaze the school. They came here specifically to deliver that message. Yeah. And they also, I think it's important to note, they didn't walk right up to the kids. Like they weren't right in front of them telling them something. They kept a good amount of distance. They just got near-ish to the kids, so not quite on the school property, to deliver the message. Right. And then they left. It was in and out, less than 15 minutes, and they had scouted it a little bit beforehand, too, it sounds like, that they had appeared the day before. But it's just so, yeah, it's just so hard because I feel like alien, telepathic communication, alien communication, and stuff like that where people feel like I received a message from an angel, I received a message from God, I received a message from whoever. People tend to not believe those people. I know. Right? And it's hard because it's like, who who would be given the message where the general public would believe? I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone. No. I so badly wish I could tele- telepathically communicate. Me too. Should we try? Yes. Okay. Let's try it. Oh, right now. Yeah, right now. <laughs> I was thinking like this is going to be a multi-year endeavor. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see where we are in the in the uh, process. Okay. Okay. All right. You're going to start. So I'm going to think about something. Okay. Hold on. Okay. The color purple? <laughs> I was thinking about apples. Oh, not right. <laughs> okay, ready? I'm going to think about something. Okay. okay. Are you thinking about avocado? No, I was thinking of the number 17. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not doing well. <laughs> okay, good start. Good start. Great, great. Hey, we have something to compare it to, right? <laughs> like we're just not there. <laughs> we need to do we need to do remote viewing. We need to practice remote remote viewing, which is basically telepathic. Have you there, communication of sorts. There was a video I saw on TikTok of these twins, identical twins. They had a barrier up between them. And yes. they would show that like every time. They looked up color color blocks. blocks. They would at first they were doing their hands, right? Like the number Oh, I their didn't mom see would that be one. Like, okay, show I think that's the one it started with. And people were like, oh, they could be cheating. There could be whatever. And so I think she had built a larger barrier and made sure they couldn't communicate at all with each other. The blocks. And then they would lift up the same blocks every single time. Yeah. Yeah. So wild. Yeah. That's what we're working for towards. Everyone needs a goal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Where do you go? (laughs) I was envisioning my life with remote viewing being a skill (laughs) I could have. I zoned out for a minute. I know you wow. really like envisioned. <laughs> I did. I did. Hopefully, we could have that someday. Yeah, other people do. Yeah, could be us. It's a skill. Could be us, but it's not. Okay, but we are skilled at reading your emails and well, Sabrina. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have editors, so we can appear somewhat so we skilled. Appear skilled. Okay, so this is kind of a bit of a longer story, but it's from our listener TJ, and it's called "The Alien Abduction Story You Asked For." 
Good morrow, my fellow ghosty friends. My Good name, morrow, TJ. My name is TJ. My first name is legally and literally only the letter T. <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. Also, then when you get when you get monogrammed bags, if you just get T, like that's it. It's both your name and your it's initial. Just T. And middle name is just J. What's your last name? <laughs> well, I have it. Well, but we won't say it on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, pronouns he, him. I am a recently new listener and wanted to thank you with all of my heart for this podcast. It's everything I could have asked for. I live in the town of Thomasville, Pennsylvania, which neighbors the slightly bigger town of Spring Grove, about 25 to 30 minutes away east from Gettysburg. I overheard one of you wanted an alien abduction story, most likely me. (laughs) So I just happened to have one for you. It maybe happened back in 2012. But to better explain, I need to go back a little further to maybe 2010. The year everything started is a little hazy, but the incident is clear as day. This story is a bit lengthy. I have many stories that tie into this event that are ghostly, demonly, but those are tales for another time. I hope you enjoy. I have a scar, which I will show you. It is 10 years old, so it's a little faded now. And then... TJ says, trigger warning, I mentioned Aleister Crowley, which you did an episode on, right? Or did I? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I don't know. Okay. One of us. Back in the year of 2010, my brother Cody started doing a bit of research while he was in the military. This included the wondrous works of Aleister Crowley and the infamous sixth and seventh books of Moses, which to my understanding, just researching this stuff is enough to affect you or the people close to you. Well, mm. sure enough, it got to me. Every girlfriend I ever had has told me that they saw me with some older man and little girl while I would be walking up to the front door at some point in our relationship. And if you're curious, this is about seven different partners. Oh, these two people are still with me to this day. And I learned that the older guy is Michael, but I still have no idea who the little girl is. She once spoke to Cody and I, after I moved back into my dad's house, which is where the abduction happened over an EVP session. I went through a divorce recently, so I unfortunately had no other choice but to move back into the evil ass house where everything took place. The divorce Mm -hmm. was necessary and I wish her the best in her travels. No hate, but anyway, the abduction. So apparently Alistair Crowley discovered a way to communicate with extraterrestrial beings. And his example is LAM, lamb, just Google it. And I believe that this is what caused my incident. So in 2012, I was dating this girl named Amanda. Her mother loved me, but her stepdad hated me. So Mm. I had to do the classic late night basement sneakover. Oh, (laughs) man. It was 1 a.m. and I was riding my bike to her house. And shortly after starting this 20-minute journey, I noticed a bright orange light in the sky. So as I was biking, I frequently looked at it as I proceeded to ride past the quarry that I lived by. It looked like a low plane. And since there was an airport nearby, that made sense to me. But once I was nearing the end of the street, the light bolted straight down, faster than a shooting star, leaving a trail behind it, disappearing in the tree line. I watched this light sit still in the sky for at least 10 minutes. So after seeing this, my hair stood on end and I booked it to Amanda's. She let me in, showed me to her basement which was in a new development, <laughs> so it wasn't scary. That just sounded creepy. Showed, Showed me, me to her basement. basement. It reminds me of Family Guy when, when the neighbor, Mr. 
Herbert or whatever. He's like, I got some popsicles down in my basement. My basement. Come here, Chris. <laughs> okay. Once I sat down, she told me she was going to go grab a flashlight from upstairs and left me in the basement in the dark alone. And sure Great. enough, in the moonlight gleaming in, I see a slim figure behind a support beam. I looked at this thing thinking that I have to be deceiving myself, but Amanda walked in and the light she had hit the pillar and I didn't see the thing there anymore. The rest of the night was typical senior year high school stuff, so we'll skip ahead to when I get home. When I got home and went to bed, I had a very realistic dream that I was sitting on a stone wall in front of my house playing my guitar. I was looking up at the night sky, singing this song that I wrote back then called Supermoon. As I stargaze, I see a UFO whiz by in the distance. This was enough to wake me up. I have alien and UFO dreams very frequently and know how to wake myself up from them. The next night, I have the exact same dream, only this time, this craft is a lot closer. I wake myself up. The third night, I have the exact dream again, but this time, the UFO is directly above the house across the street from me. I see text appear in my upper vision, like a movie from the 80s or 90s where they type the location. It read, we are going to abduct you. Don't try to run. <laughs> my, I think my heart would give out. <gasps> so I ran and I got myself inside as a beam of light chased behind me. I panicked my way in and locked the doors and tried to peer out the window and with its hands on the glass of the window stood a gray as clear as day just staring back at me. Oh my god. I jumped out of bed after this one and had the image of its face stuck in my head all day. But when I went to bed the following night, I did not have a dream. My mom used to really lightly rub my arm to put me to sleep as a child. Light fingertips barely grazing the skin up and down my arm. Okay, that sounds so nice. <laughs> and this is the feeling I awoke to. It woke me up softly and I looked up at the clock, 3.33 a.m., of course. So I rolled over to see what was on TV and after I rolled over, that is when my body became paralyzed. Standing beside my bed, illuminated by the TV light, was a black silhouette, six and a half to seven feet tall, slimmer than a Slim Jim, maybe about 135 pounds. I tried moving my eyes up to its face, but my eyes moved incredibly slow. When they finally reached Ugh. its head, within one literal blink of the eye, this thing bolted back to the door, and next thing I know, I'm sitting upright on my bed, and it's 8 a.m. No, no. Why is it so tall? Five hours I liked vanished. the child size ones from Zimbabwe. <laughs> with their juicy couture Five. sweats. With their juicy couture sweats? But this like this is like a slender man of an alien just abducting you for five hours. Five hours missing. That's so scary. Missing time is so scary. Ugh. TJ said, five hours vanished from me. I felt dazed and my leg hurt. After looking at my leg, I noticed a long scar that looked like it had an incision mark on top of it. Also, whoa, my bedroom door, which had a six inch deadbolt latch on it, was unlocked and hanging wide open. I locked that bitch every mm. night and never slept with it open. So all throughout the day, I was convincing myself that maybe I got up in the middle of the night to pee. But that night, Cody yelled up to me. Hey, TJ, can I come up for a second? Yeah, sure, I replied. Cody looks at me and goes, so 
I have an odd question for you. What were you doing last night around 3.30 a.m.? My blood went cold and I simply asked, why? He then told me that he was watching TV and saw this black thing come up the stairs, stand in front of his door for a minute, then scurry up to my room on the third story, where he then heard violent scratching. (gasps) Oh, 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 I'm so nervous for him. He and Lindsay checked it out, but they said when they looked up the stairs, the scratching stopped. They searched for our cats, but none were up there, so they went back to bed. But then, my dad, the skeptic, said the next day that he also saw this slim figure hunched outside my brother's room before taking off up to my room lightning fast, again, followed by the scratching. So everyone saw it, and I lost five hours of time and obtained a mysterious scar. Later on that year, Amanda and I split up and I get into this relationship with a pastor's daughter. I told him all about this occurrence and he told me that he would pray for me. I'm not religious in the slightest, but I thanked him with all my heart still. And that night, I had another odd dream. I was in a black room with a candle lit aisle that led to an altar. On the altar stood a man in a cloak holding a stone dish full of water. All that was exposed of him were his hands, which were ancient, old, and decrepit. I asked him, where am I? And all he did was put his fingers to his lips and said, shh, as he dipped his hand into the water and flicked it on my face. As soon as the water hit my face, I woke up and literally fell like what felt like three to four feet onto my bed, knocking a bunch of stuff on my shelves in my room to the floor. I tried recreating this, but was never able to fall that hard again. Since this prayer, the paranormal events mostly ceased from the studies my brother did. But the older guy and the little girl still follow me, and some more stuff has started to happen very recently. Attached are a photo of my scar, the staircase to my room, the tattoo I got dedicated to the event, which is a space arm, my lovely princess Josephine, and where I play guitar in my dreams facing the auction house. Okay, so there's the light scar, and then there's a bunch of, like, photos. The little kitty. Oh, the alien tattoo. And cats. Um, oh my God, it's loading. That's from TJ. It feels oh, like... Oh, TJ, what the heck? <laughs> I will say that last stream did feel like the pastor prayed for him and it was like a blessing. The sprinkling water on his face feels like holy water. Yes, yes. Like a priest. Yes, it does. Can we show TJ's tattoos? Because these are so, so cool. I mean, I oh, I don't even know what to make of this. This is like... This is so terrifying. And I feel like if he hadn't seen the gray and hadn't seen this sort of like figure and have all of these dreams, thoughts and dreams and memories of aliens that I would almost think that that black wispy thing was some sort of demonic being, right? right? Like the way that it moves. And also other people saw it, which is, they must've thought it was a spirit or a ghost or something too, right? Because if you- scratching too is so- unsettling it is it is i my brain is blown i don't know what to say this is horrifying i have no (laughs) idea what's going on me neither i can't predict what will happen next this is i beyond me and like what is the scar like what did they do and then also the scratching was that like tj scratching and being dragged out and like trying to hold like (gasps) i wonder if there's like scratches on the floorboard yes Ooh, ooh. i know it's the the scar too it makes me wonder i mean it could have been a scar from something else you know like if tj is being dragged out of something like knocks something and just gets hit by a bedpost or or whatever being abducted right because the scratching could have been what if the scratching noise isn't actually scratching it's just the noise of the ufo overhead 
its beam coming and abducting. It's the noise of like the portal being opened. It's like a Well, that's terrible. So you think it's scratching, but TJ and his brother are actually being abducted. And that's why it suddenly stops because he's gone. Yeah. He's with this being. Oh, it's just so strange too that they would it's almost like the alien is a collector. Like well maybe maybe that's a thing. Maybe we're thinking about alien abductions wrong. Like it doesn't necessarily have to mean that there's a UFO that that beams a portal because why would you need to send an alien into the home in order to complete that abduction? Right. What if it is sort of like a I'm thinking of of Marvel and Doctor Strange when they open up the portals with their hands. <laughs> what if you just have to have a being present with you. They just can transport you by being next to you and opening something up for you. Oh, interesting. Or for them to take you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm scared for you, TJ. Yeah. I am. I'm, I hope I want you was... to remember. Do hypnosis, please. I want you to remember what you saw. Yeah, yeah. We need um, to be in, in TJ's brain to find out. Right. It's also interesting because I feel like in so many alien abductions, there's a lot of people who think that it was just a dream until other things come out. And then they realize perhaps their dream was actually just this traumatic memory of encountering an alien or being on a spaceship prior to their mind being wiped or whatever happens. Mm -hmm. Because there is missing time, right? Like TJ remembers a lot of it, but also not all of it. Yeah. Uh, well, here's to... Hopefully another year of not being abducted by scary aliens, but understanding that there are things that are unexplained out there. Yes. Yes. And if you have a UFO story or an unexplained story, please email it to us. Ooh. Ah, that esophagus. Actually, that actually... Whoa. <gasps> I think it cleared. It cleared it? Oh, my gosh. Your pill throat was gone. <laughs> I just need to I hate to that when it feels like something's stuck. Yeah. There you go. A little bubble. Email us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com and support us in all the ways. iTunes review, follow us on social media, all those things. Thank you to our team at Upfire Digital for editing our podcast. We really appreciate you. And we will see, see you, you on, on the, the other side. side. I feel like we did that slower today. I feel like we always do it slow. Yeah. Very spooky.